You're listening to Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. Out of the Box is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug, HugMeTees.com. Guys, we're now on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Out of the Box Podcast. And as always, on Stitcher and iTunes, downloadable. We love comments and we love subscribers. I am here today with Davina Katolsky, author of Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage and Love Warriors, one of the leading marriage equality activists in the country and also a life coach and therapist. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yes. I am so excited to have you here again. (laughs) Thank you, Rosie. It's great to be here with you again. Hello, everybody. So uh, for the listeners who don't know and you wouldn't know, uh, Davina was very... uh, awesome and came for an amazing podcast and due to technical difficulties it was lost into the realm of foreverness so we get a encore presentation but for you guys it will be a premiere presentation (laughs) yeah we're just trusting that uh, everything is unfolding perfectly today it is and right before we started recording we were actually talking about relationships and um I love your point of view on it and that we discuss, which is all of the bad relationships from our past were actually brought about to heal us and help us become better people. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every relationship we're in, we learn and grow and uh, we learn more about ourselves and how we can be better people and better partners in the future. Yeah. And, and I am so at ease talking with you about relationships and it just seems that there's this stigma, you know, you do marriage equality activism and there's mm-hmm. this stigma that gay couples or same sex couples or even, you know, whatever the way people define their sexuality uh-huh. are somehow different or they're sexually deviant. But, you know, I was just talking to you like a girlfriend and, yeah. and I haven't had that experience, but I think there's still this fear in parts of America that there's, you know, um, some inherent difference yeah and i think i think actually people are learning the more same-sex couples they know and the more that they are exposed to same-sex couples on tv like i was catching up on glee the other night (laughs) you know and just showing the different couples that that we have the same issues you know we're all looking to you know how can we um how can we support each other as we go to work and we, you know, we do the things that we love? Um, how do we deal with money issues? How do we deal with parenting issues? You're All just a person. Just, just <laughs> You're not a unicorn or an elf or right. a troll. <laughs> and I, I think, I mean, it's been amazing just in my lifetime alone to watch how much, you know, things have changed. You know, now we have marriage equality in so many states. We're not, we don't have it in all of the states yet. But over time, things have changed so much. And people now know same-sex couples. They're out. They're getting married. They're settling down. They're having kids. And so, and they're out of the closet. Not everybody, but many people. And so I think that is really showing just, you know, heterosexual couples, same-sex couples. Um, it doesn't matter. We all do. We all need to do our laundry and uh, yard work, or you know, whatever. I mean, brunch on Sunday. People listening to my podcast are pretty progressive, but you know, maybe someone stumbles on who's, you know, from a more conservative area. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to talk about your activism because, you know, uh, sometimes people like to focus on the negative, and there's been a lot of focus on well, it should be legal by now everywhere, and I do agree with that. Uh-huh. But you've come a long way. You're a little bit older than me, and mm-hmm. what was it like coming out? At, you know, your personal coming out story. Well, my personal coming out story, um, I came out in the '80s. Uh-huh. Uh, I was in my teens. What was the vibe back then? Was it was oh, it, it was, still it hostile? Was, yeah, it was very hostile. Um, I came out in a small suburban uh, high school area, 
and uh, it was very challenging. And when I first realized that um, that I had feelings for um, people of the same sex, actually, I didn't know what to do with it. I felt very ashamed and overwhelmed by it. And um, I began drinking, hoping that that would make the thoughts go away, the feelings go away. Did you think there was something wrong with you or something? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, pe- people that were gay were considered freaks, you know. So all of a sudden, I was there was this part of me that was coming up that I... Where did this come from? Who is, you know, what is this? And um, and so uh, I had a lot of inner struggles with it. Um, I got to the point where I actually contemplated suicide. I know that's not uncommon for many LGBT people, um, especially youth. And I got to that point, but then I sort of had this epiphany. And the epiphany was, I wasn't a particularly spiritual person at the time, but I just kind of got this this it was pretty instant. It was a spiritual epiphany that um, being gay was a gift. It was actually um, by divine design. You know, <laughs> I can use those words now. And um, and that it was a unique, special quality about me that had been given to me by spirit. And that I could either look at it one of two ways. I could either choose to um, deny the gift and kill myself and, you know. End it all. End it all. Or I could realize that this was a gift that um, that could be celebrated and and be out and proud and move forward. Because what I realized was hiding actually made me feel worse. It made me feel dirty and like I had a secret. And once so once I came to that point of, you know what, I'm going to take this gift and I'm going to live and I'm going to stop drinking, which took a little bit of time to do. But I did. I haven't I have not um, had a drink since I was a teenager. Um, but once I was willing to let that go and I said, okay, I'm going to come out. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm not going to hide this anymore. There was such an enormous sense of relief. And it's it's something that I still hear from people who are coming out in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know? That they feel just totally relieved. Oh, so free. So free. Let's talk about a couple things that you said. You know, um, One, it sounds like you were really just being who you are and not denying who you were at your essence and accepting yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that is something I think anyone, gay, straight, bi, transgender, whatever, can learn to live by. Because I know for me, mm-hmm. you know, I denied my creative side. I know uh-huh. that is in, isn't as deep or intense, maybe, as being, I think it is different. But for me, but yeah. it, was, it was very intense because I grew up in a very conservative household where my parents wanted me to take a very traditional route. Uh-huh. And even to this day, you know... I love podcasting. I love bringing my message and positivity to people around the world. And my mom is not for, she, you know, she's like, well, you know, you should keep those thoughts private. You Mm. should keep things, you know, you don't need to tell everyone, you know, she doesn't even like me posting on Facebook. She's a very private person. Uh And so even just to be, you know, no, it it brings me so much joy to bring these amazing topics to people all all over the world. And, you know, I just, it's so important. It is. It's so important because I'm bringing awareness and, and it's, and, Yet my parents are still not accepting of that. So, right. so in a way, the lesson that you're you're providing isn't just an LGBT lesson. Yeah, well, actually, so um, it's interesting that you should mention that because one of the things I do focus on with people is I found with LGBT coming out that there are a lot of similarities for being your authentic self. And so um, people that are going into the arts, creativity, um, people who are, are very spiritual, psychic, that kind of thing. You mean have. that you're life coaching? Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I've, I've found that um, that people that, that um, there many people live their lives in the closet and they're not living not necessarily life. A, a gay closet. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, um, so in my work, yeah, what I've, what I've I've done is I've transitioned over to also helping other people who are in the closet and that are, 
they're having struggles, um, they know what they want to do in their heart, but there are obstacles from them living from their hearts. So Living uh, authentically, living, living passionately, authentically. truly be honoring themselves. That's right, because it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to turn against the tide. I mean, just for you, Rosie, like you're expressing what you're saying, you know, your parents wanted you to take a traditional route, you know, whatever that meant in terms of a, a profession or college or, you know, a secure job with a salary, um, you know, uh, medical leave, health benefits, all they, those they things. They wanted me to take, yeah, a very traditional path. And also they're just against me speaking out i don't know why i don't Uh know if it's part of the asian culture where you just are a good citizen and you kind of just asians are very you know they in general it doesn't we don't talk about stuff you know i'm not japanese i'm vietnamese but for example in japanese culture um it's better to kill yourself commit suicide than to uh shame your family right and that's a very common theme in asian culture you don't want to shame your family you don't want to talk about problems which is ironic because the way to deal with problems is to talk, talk about, about them. It. Well, and it's interesting you say that as well, because actually um, I have a lot of Asian Americans in my practice um, who are working through those things because they're the people in the family that are more outspoken or they want to take a different path and they want to be true to themselves. So I think that's, that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. So, so I think it's really important, um, you know, it's, you know, whether you believe in reincarnation, reincarnation or not, we are here now, we have this life now, and living in a way that honors our, our hearts, honors our true passion for life, it is frightening, but it is very freeing. It is very freeing to be your whole authentic self. But it does come with some blowback. I mean, just like when I came out at school, I had my life threatened, people tried to run me over in the parking lot, I was called names. You know, whether you're going to experience that level of resistance to being your authentic self, or if those are just voices that are in your own head. That happens yourself, a lot. Some people are their own worst enemy. Exactly. Exactly. Saying, well, what are you doing? Who are you kidding? You can't be an actor or a writer or a dancer or whatever it is. Um, you know, you should, or, you know, a psychic, you're not going to make any money doing that or whatever. Yeah. You should go back and do this and have a, a solid career and, and, you know, be a part of the rat race. Well, what you're doing is you're honoring your heart. You're I honoring love that you said that because I, I, I don't know if you listen to the rat race episodes. I have like multiple episodes where I'm like, get out of the rat race. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that's amazing. And I think that, you know, um, that it's, it's a very important thing because so many people are not living from an authentic place and it comes out in other ways, you know, sarcasm, bitterness. Absolutely. Um, I've met people that are clearly not living their life's purpose and it comes and they think, oh, well, it's not affecting me yet. You, you hear them uh-huh. making passive aggressive comments. You know, these are the people who are going on YouTube. Maybe they wanted to be a singer and then someone's singing on YouTube and then they're leaving all these negative comments. Right. And they're thinking, oh, well, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with me. This person's just a bad singer. No, I think you kind of have a deep rooted issue that you never became a singer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think when you're following your courageous, so I'm writing a new book. It's called uh, Journey of the Courageous Heart from Fear to Fulfillment. When you are on that journey, you know, and following your courageous heart, you have to learn to love yourself in all kinds of new ways because you're putting yourself out there and you know you're going after your dream but you have to be you have to understand when we go after our dream there's going to be failure there are going to be obstacles there's, there's going, going to be, be haters there's going to be jealousy there's going to be some haters there's going to be girl. some haters you know i i yep. was just talking about this the other day you know i have comments left and right on my youtube videos uh you know and it's it's just people are jealous it has nothing to do with me right it's it's not that uh, you know it's just like 
you know, I'm sure, Davina, you have actors or actors that you like and dislike. It has nothing to do with that person personally. Yeah. It's just we have our preferences or comments. But, you know, luckily you're a whole person, so you're not going to go and attack the person. But some people are not whole, like you said, or they haven't, um, not, not that they're not whole, everyone's whole, but that they haven't tapped into their wholeness uh-huh yeah that's yeah. true i don't i don't want to say that anyone is is lacking or because we all have the tools that we need inside right. of us well, but we're, we're they all haven't touched in, in exactly because inside of us we're all whole perfect and complete but we have a lot of egoic stuff that keeps us from knowing blocking that we are it. Yeah. exactly just just clouding it blocking it um so when you follow your path yeah people are going to make you know credit comments the more visible you are in the world oh yeah of, of course you're gonna just you know get more <laughs> the brighter the light the bigger the bugs yes so that is i love that i am i might make a a meme for Facebook with your picture that says the brighter the light. I, ha- I have to credit my my mentor, Reverend uh, Joan Stedman, with that. Okay, she's, so she's I one love of the that. founders of Agape. Um, but yeah, so you know, and the other thing too is that as you're putting yourself out there, it's important if you know to follow your heart. You've got to have people that do support you and yes, that believe in what you're doing. So important, so important. That's something that I learned in my journey because I kept going to my parents for support. And they weren't supportive, and I kept yeah. getting let down, kept getting let down. And then someone said, well, you know, why do you keep doing that? I said, well, they're my parents. They're like, but they're not supporting you. Right. So what about you use them in areas that they are supportive, uh-huh. and then you get to uh, find other people in your life who are supportive of that so that you don't keep getting let down. I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And how did that work <laughs> for you when you did that? It was awesome. And a part of me is still kind of mourning. I'm still in the mourning process that I, I'm not able to go to my parents for those things. But, you know, using my husband and some of my friends that do get me, you know, I have a girlfriend, she's not even in the entertainment industry. She's just, um, I think, a secretary. I don't even know what she does. I think Uh she's like a secretary because she never talks about work. But um, and she's totally supportive. And, you know, I have another friend who works in real estate and he's very supportive. Uh And and it's just sometimes you can't get everything you want. It's like I'm trying I was trying to get, you know, wine from a uh, beer glass or something. It's like you can't. You got to go to the wine bottle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got to go to the source. Yeah. Well, and the reason that I ask you is that, um, you know, have you ever heard of this metaphor? It's actually a true thing. If you put crabs in a barrel um, and one crab starts yes, to get out. Yes, they all try to claw it down. I yeah. have heard that. So, you know, we're kind of like that. So if you if you are in a barrel with the same people that aren't also out there. You're you trying know, to reach a higher level. Heart, yeah. Yeah. Then, then you're going to be drag down so it's so important to have people and to go out and find people that are inspirational that are working on empowering themselves and doing their work too and i have and it's been such a shift to to i i just am so in love with my my friends and that i've met uh-huh. it's like my extended family that i've created um nice yes I, I also I have to remember to, that that you can't you all can't see me nodding. So I, better, <laughs> I need to say yes. I know. I just had a guest and he was doing hand signals. I was like, people can't see you. Yeah. Um, so I also wanted to mention something, not to go too dark, but you um, mentioned that you thought about killing yourself. Yes. And I I want to talk about this because, you know, unfortunately, Robin Williams just passed away yeah. through um, killing himself. And there's been a big debate about it. And I wanted to touch on it because mm-hmm. it's a topic that we rarely talk about. And it's a topic that's very misunderstood. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, after Robin Williams killed himself, I heard multiple, multiple people saying, well, you know, what did he have to be depressed about? He was successful. He was rich. Why? I don't get it. Why did he kill himself? And the amount of misinformation that I heard 
people commenting not just on the blogosphere and uh-huh. online but in my own life was just shocking that that a lot of people do not understand about mental illness and depression right. and first of all i think that our system is totally not supportive for mental health our mainstream traditional system yeah. because for example i um, had been going to a therapist for years and it helped me so much and it felt like it made me healthier mm-hmm. yet when i went to apply for insurance i was docked because it was considered a pre-existing condition that's right. that's instead right. of preventative care that, that's actually why um <laughs> with with my private practice therapy clients i let them know that um, before they use their insurance, and I really encourage people to actually do private pay and not use your your. Um, Isn't that just your crazy? Mental health insurance. It you're is crazy, but help. you have more privacy if they don't know what you're doing. And no, I understand that, but it, they can also solicit your records. That it's just so, it's just crazy because yeah. it's like it's like if I go to the gym to maintain my body, uh-huh. that's considered preventative maintenance. Absolutely. But if I go to a therapist to maintain my mind, that's considered a disease. I, I, I didn't understand. I think I think the <laughs> the fact that the HMOs have gotten involved with the mental health system while it, you know, creates certain standards in other ways. It's actually really negatively impacted um, the field of, of psychology. Now I could go on for days. about. Oh, that. let's go on but, because but, it actually makes me but, very upset. But, but, but you know, you, you brought up Robin Williams and, and first of all, I just want to say, you know, um, he was somebody that touched everyone's lives in a, in in a very positive, in a way, very positive yeah. way. I mean, you know, I remember watching Mork and Mindy. He, he's, he touched our hearts. He made us laugh. He was so, he brought so much joy into our lives and he was such a bright light. And I think that when we lose somebody, we all have a sense of, of, you know, there's grief and grief can be complicated. Sometimes we just cry. Sometimes we get mad at the person for leaving. Sometimes we, we don't know what to do with that anger and we take it out. So, so you know, I think there's been a whole, I think what all the things that have happened have been like some very complicated grief responses. Um, the, the scariest thing is when people do copycat kinds of things and uh, yeah. feel like, well, if he can do it, that sort of opens the field for me to, to take my own life as well. And, um, and I would just say, you know, there are going to be times when you will feel like life is against you. You will feel like nothing is working out and you can't see the good in yourself. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've certainly been there. I know. We've all been there. And I think that's something that should be talked about because suicide is something that's kept under the rug. That's right. And in the closet, in the back corners. And every single person, I'm guaranteeing you, Every single person has at least thought about it. That doesn't mean they've carried it out or made attempts. Yeah. But there's been times when we've been depressed. Maybe we lost a loved one. Maybe, you know, your life just feels... Maybe you're not being your authentic self, like you said. Uh-huh. And you're just feeling, I'm ro- down the wrong path. I don't know what to do. I feel totally lost. That is totally normal. Yeah, absolutely. And it, when you get to that place, if you do feel like, you know, you, you've been hiding yourself and you're not following your authentic path, or you are, and, you know, you're, you'll hit roadblocks and, and things don't seem to be moving as fast as you'd like, or you feel like you want to give up, I just really encourage people to, you know, remember that, to, to reach out, because while you can't maybe, you know, you're in a, you're in a feeling tone of negativity. And if you reach out to other people, there are people that love you. It will pass. It is, it is dark. Sometimes it feels like those dark nights of the soul go on for several days, but they will pass just like the weather. You may have like, you know, stormy days and then the next day the sun will come out. And sometimes it will even last, you know, six months, years. It can last for years, but that doesn't mean that's forever. And let me tell you, I have been in very dark places and when i look back it was some of the most emotionally 
positive places I could have gone because the growth. Absolutely. It was like a. It's like you're a caterpillar. You're turning to a butterfly. Yes. Sometimes there's a lot of icky whatever's in the cocoon. <laughs> Right, exactly. And, and you know, when you go from a place of being a caterpillar, so to, so to speak, in your life, like let's say um, you're at the top of your game, you, you, your life's going well, you know what's happening, you've got that mastered. Oftentimes, spiritually, there, then that is when something else awakens in you and, uh, and you move to a different place. And everything that you've done, you might go through a phase of time where nothing works anymore. Everything in your life feels broken. It's not broken. You're just going through Evolving, transformation. Growing, changing. Yeah. yeah. And transformation is not one plus one equals two or one plus one plus one equals three. It is, it goes from like one to, you know, th- you know, 350 <laughs> or, or one to ABCD. It's a, it becomes a totally different playing field. So it does. So while your things might look broken, like, wait, I used to have mastery over this. This used to go well in my life. Why isn't it working? Because you're completely shifting. And I write about that in the, in the book, actually, that, um, that there's a period of time where we go through a huge grief. I mean, you know, we don't know what a caterpillar, a chrysalis, and a butterfly go through. But on a human level, we know that when we've left that caterpillar stage of our, of our life or development, and we're going through massive change and transformation, whether it be through choice, like we choose to leave a job or we choose to go after a dream, or we get laid off or we, or, you know, uh, go through a divorce or, or a death of a loved one, whatever it is, when that happens, um, there is still grief and you have to go through the grief and get support for, from it and to know that there will be another side, but it is a process and it can't be rushed. Just like if you, you know, you take a, a chrysalis and you start peeling it away, the butterfly will die. Yeah, so. exactly. And and this is all emotional intelligence stuff, which I strongly preach because I think our society does not um, emphasize it enough. Right. And it's up to all of us to take responsibility for our own emotions and learn that, you know, it's not always going to be happy. There's different stages and different parts of our life and that it's cyclical. Yeah. And, and see, you know, Rosie, you could be, you could be a psychologist. You, you know, you know, I'm, you don't have the training, but you certainly have, you have the emotional and, you know, intelligence. It's called understanding. a lot of self-work. Yeah. And, and, and yet, so here you've gone a non-traditional path and yet you are giving so much. And I'm so happy. I'm actually look back at a lot of the horrible things that happened to me in my childhood in such gratitude. And that's why I want to tell people that these dark nights of the soul can be some of the most positive things that that ever happened to. I'm telling you people, I was in an extreme, and I were just talking about this before I came here, but I didn't go into detail. Extremely abusive relationship, um, was verbally abused, emotionally abused, physically abused by this person, felt trapped, Mm -hmm. you know, was just, and I had a wake up call. I was like, what, why am I choosing? I, yeah, yes, I could say this person was crazy. They had problems. They were violent, but it all came down to me and not that it was my fault. I don't want to say that women that are abused, it's their fault. It was my responsibility, which is there's a difference. Right. And I needed to say, wait a minute, what is it about me that I'm choosing to, I can just walk out the door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, this isn't, I'm not married to the guy. Uh This isn't the middle East where there's some weird law and I can't, I can Mm -hmm. just literally walk out the door and not take this anymore. Yeah. And it was like a wake up call. And, and I went through a lot of emotional stuff, like you said. And then when I realized that my attraction to this person had nothing to do with the person, had to do with my own self-healing. Yes. That's when I woke up. Right. You had to sort of ascend to a higher vibration 
you know, I know some of you are like, what vibration? But you had to, you had a higher to, version of myself, a higher version of yourself to see yes. that I was on such a low level that I would attract and be stay continue to stay with someone who was yeah. at such a low level and and to clean out all those areas of yourself where you felt you were worthless or unworthy to get rid of those and to know your fullness. So yes, yeah, so you could leave that person behind. And I think a lot of us do that. We we attract people where we are sort of emotionally They They sort of, you know, resonate where, with whatever it is we're working through. We're so attracted to that. It's so, you know, Marie Osmond says that. She says, you don't date or marry someone who's at your level. You date or marry someone who's at your self-esteem level. <laughs> so true. So true. So true. And, and you know, I should say, um, I've worked with a lot of professionals. And, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of professionals are, ask, are actually masking senses, you know, a sense of in, inadequacy or insecurity. And so we can be really accomplished. Like, I, I don't know. External success. Right. I don't know what, you know, um, they've come out with saying Robin Williams had maybe had Parkinson's and, and whatnot. But even if you have incredible external success, that doesn't mean that you, you can't still feel empty inside. It doesn't mean that you may not have places where you still feel like inadequate. And that striving to be perfect because you don't feel that peace inside and perfection inside yourself yeah i mean i remember gosh um i would think i was about 36 maybe yes older here um (laughs) i was about 36 and i had my phd i had my government job i had my six-figure salary i had my house i had my car whoa you paid six figures working for the government Mm -hmm. yeah i was a psychologist for the federal government and um and i got to this place and i was like wow i did all these things i'm a doctor i'm this and that and other thing i did all these things that I thought, you know, I was supposed to do. And I'm like, well, why do I feel so bad inside? You know, why, why do I still feel so bummed out? And I was realizing, well, I did all these things for achievement. And they were things that for my ego, they weren't the things of my soul. And my soul really wanted to be free. And while I was extremely successful, and, you know, and I'd published my first book and was out there speaking, you know, nationally, internationally about marriage equality and all those things. There was just something that still wasn't right, so I had to basically knock the foundation, knock the house down, and uh, rebuild the foundation. I want to talk about what you just said because it's so profound and it's so true. And I think that there's two different forms of success: there's egoic success, mm-hmm. and then there's authentic success. Yeah, and that happened with me with my stand-up because I was Did doing it. stand-up and I was. Um, I was trying to make people laugh to validate myself, to prove my to prove to myself that I was funny, that I was worthy, to get the attention, to get the validation. Mm-hmm. And after I started doing the personal development work, I shifted my perspective from getting something, mm-hmm. you know, getting praise from the audience, getting laughs, to giving. And that's mm-hmm. when it became authentic. And now, even if I have a bad show, Davina, I always have a good time uh-huh. because my intention is always to go up there, have a blast and make people laugh. And even if the crowd doesn't get me or some only some people get me, I always have a blast. So how do you, you know, so knowing that having been a stand up comic or still being a stand up comic, stand up comic, how do you what do, what do you guess about Robin Williams? What are your thoughts on that? My, you know, I'm not I, I'm not him. I'm not inside his head or or. So I can't I can't say, but what I feel is that he was someone who had a great amount of love to share Mm -hmm. and maybe was sharing it for the wrong reasons, was Uh maybe sharing it to fulfill, like you said, that achievement, that egoic, Mm -hmm. which many sense of emptiness, sense of emptiness instead of saying 
healing inside. And it's such a, you know, cliche to say, you know, happiness was within and but it is. Uh-huh. If you're not feeling a whole inside, it's going to manifest in other ways. And I have met people now through the personal development arena that are successful the authentic way mm-hmm. where they're creating from love, from joy, from happiness and not creating because they need joy. They need love. They need, it's just a different energy. Yeah, it really is. And I, I think there's, you know, spiritually we're moving in the direction of being okay with knowing that today our needs are met and less of the hoarding behavior. I mean, we've got Costco, we've got all these places. <laughs> I know it's crazy. Everything, you know, and, and really, um, there's you know you we waste so much money in trying to be secure and protect ourselves and 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 stock up and all these things but it's really like a it's a fight or flight basic yes. human very base human thing right and yet and yet when we are just focused in the moment and we we you know we have to obviously pay our bills and those kinds of things but also just remembering right here and right now our needs are met that they will be met and to not terrorize ourselves you're alive you have air you have water you know unless you are stranded on a desert island or in some type of physically you know destructive place or war zone which some people are unfortunately yes. yeah but if you're not which is 80 percent of the world is in a safe place you know then it, there's no reason to be in that mania right and i and I, so i think the ego does a lot of stockpiling of things to make sure it's okay um and you know so stockpiling money stockpiling resources all of these things and so we need a lot of money to be able to afford those things. You know, this whole tiny house movement, for example, mm-hmm. right, where people are realizing, you know what, I'd rather have less space, physical house space to pay for and clean and take care of, and more time and energy and money to just be, be free. Me. Right. <laughs> you don't want your house to become your prison, and, and, you know, you're struggling so hard to keep it. Um, so I just think, I think we're, we're shifting here as a culture. There is. There yeah. is a huge shift, and I think... The financial crisis and the greed with Wall Street and some of the other stuff also helps people to wake up a little bit. Um, I'm not anti Wall Street, I, I do, but I am anti corruption. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, there was one one point I wanted to make real quick here. Uh, so when I was doing the marriage equality work, you know, part of what I did as a leader was to help people find their voice and to share their stories. Because when we find our voice and we share our stories, then we can change hearts and minds. And so I spent a lot of time working with people on that. And what I know is that when we speak our truth, even if it sounds pretty crazy to somebody else at first, the more we speak our truth, the more we follow our truth, other people will eventually come along. If we feel funny about what we're doing, if we feel embarrassed, or if we feel like, you know, oh gosh, this spiritual path is weird or this creative path is, you know, flaky or whatever it is, then other we'll people... Put that, we'll put that energy forward. We'll put that energy forward. That's right. And so I just really encourage people to remember to speak your truth and to learn how to be confident and heal those places of, of doubt within yourself. Because um, if you go to other people, like you said, you know, your parents, for example, they weren't able to support you. So it's like we've got to support ourselves first and then find those other people that will support us. And the ones that can't see it eventually, you know, they will either get along with the program or they'll stop being as in your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's one thing. Which, is, drop out of which your is sometimes life. a good thing. It's sometimes a blessing. Um, I want to talk about what you just said about um healing yourself and putting yourself first because what i've noticed and now there is a shift and there has been a shift and i don't know if it was because of the 60s and the me generation and all this other stuff but there is still this ideology that taking care of yourself first is selfish yeah i you know i heard it the other day um i was doing a i teach a writing class uh writing coaching class and somebody was saying oh i you know i feel so selfish putting aside time for my writing no 
like, well, actually, how do, you, how do you feel after you write? Well, I feel peaceful. I feel more energized. I feel happier. I'm like, well, isn't that a better self to take forward into the world? Isn't that like you're actually giving more when you've sourced yourself, when you've fed yourself first, and now you have the energy as opposed to giving on empty and... And you're um, tired and worn out. I hear this a lot with moms. I hear this a lot with moms. Well, I just don't have time for myself. You know, it's mm-hmm. all about my kids. Let me tell you something, moms out there. I can tell you right now, as a former uh, recovering kid with a mom that had that mentality, it does not serve you. My mom was always running around with her head cut off, and it made us feel, as children, like we were a burden. Uh And so you don't want your kids to feel like they're a burden. You want them to feel like they're a gift. And when you run around, like you said, half empty, that's how people are going to feel. Because there there were times when my mom said, I just don't have time for myself. I don't have time for myself. And as a little kid, I remember as a little seven-year-old girl, me thinking, well, go take time for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Empower yourself, mom. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I I can, you know, know, and she would say, well, you can't do this by yourself. You you, you need me to, and I I would tell her, and I would say, no, mom, go take time for yourself and Mm -hmm. she would say no 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 so a lot of times the people in our life are actually giving us permission Uh to take care of ourselves because that is the natural order to love yourself first absolutely yes and and so for example a lot of people won't meditate because they think oh gosh i can't sit still and do nothing there's so many things to do but everyone says that if you meditate and they found this if you like 10 or 15 minutes right 10 or 15 minutes that's it you will feel so refreshed and you will actually be more focused and more efficient the rest of your day. It's the same thing with napping. I think the napping cycle is about 20 to 40 minutes and, and you will be refreshed. It's go. all about taking time for it's yourself. taking time for yourself. And I have a colleague who's a principal up at a charter school up in Oakland and they uh, teach the kids how to meditate oh, so that's that great. they're calmer. So, you know, moms, dads, whoever, <laughs> sit down with your kids, teach them how to meditate, meditate together. You need, you need some time to yourself to read a book or to write do the same thing. Show your kids, hey, let's do a little journaling. You write down about your day, and I'll write down about mine. And I want to clarify to listeners, there's this difference. So if you're, if you're not sure if you're being selfish or self-loving, let me explain. Any self-love is always healthy. Any selfishness is always healthy. So that doesn't mean go off on unhealthy. a cocaine binge or something yeah. because you like doing cocaine. Well, if it's destroying the people in your life and yourself, that's right. That's selfishness. That's right. Selfishness is unhealthy. Yes. Selfishness is unhealthy. So if you're, you know, going out and drinking and spending all of your family's money on alcohol, if you're, you know, going on shopping sprees, shopping sprees. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But you know, that is considered selfishness. Self love is taking time for yourself to heal yourself, nurturing, nurture. That's right. So there, that is a difference. Eating well, making yourself a salad, writing, like you said, writing, doing exercise, things, yeah. meditation. Absolutely. So there is a difference. But unfortunately, in some of our society, some self love has been labeled selfish yeah and i think selfishness might fill an empty space like if you do something selfish it will fill an empty space like racking up credit card debt by shopping sprees or overeating or whatever but doing things that are self-nurturing and self-loving they will make you feel actually whole whole and renewed absolutely that's awesome um i love the place that this is going but i want to utilize you for what you are davina (laughs) um i want to talk a little bit more about the um, activism yeah because i want people to know what's going on out there and hopefully shift some hearts and minds towards the marriage equality side because our country is still not where i think it should be (laughs) well thank you i i agree i think we're not there either but we're, we're getting we're just getting so much closer which is wonderful 
Well, um, back in in 1996, um, I met the woman that I wanted to marry. And so we fell in love. And of course, at the time, um, the DOMA was passed, which took away the right for same-sex couples to marry anyway, anyway and anywhere. And um, and so after falling in love, I was like, well, you know, we've got to change the laws. And I'm just going to share this with you because I think it's important that people know that, yes, as Margaret Mead said, a handful of people can make a gigantic difference in the world. So please, you can be a leader, even if you don't feel like a leader, even if you've never done leadership things. By you speaking out and, and standing in your truth, you will change the world. You will be proactive and change the world. So what happened was we decided we wanted to get married, even though it was against the law. We went down to San Francisco City Hall. I just want you to know that sounds crazy. <laughs> I don't know. The, just the phrase that you said, we wanted to get married, even though it was against the law. I feel like we're in 1950s segregation. <laughs> yeah, well, and and it had its, it certainly was not violent in the way, thank, thank God, it was not violent in the way that segregation was on the physical level, emotionally, spiritually violent, absolutely. So we, we wanted to get married, and, and so we planned a wedding, and everywhere we went, we talked about it, and so we came out everywhere, and so all of these different people, the jeweler, the cake people, had to deal with, here's a same-sex couple that wants to get married. And um, and so I remember one place that we were going to have our wedding cake made, they kept saying birthday cake, and we said, we thought maybe it was a language barrier, no, our wedding cake. And they're like, birthday cake. <laughs> And they were just it couldn't wrap their head around the idea of two women getting married. I don't want to laugh at you because it's such a, you know, a horrible thing. But it just reminds me, were they were they immigrants? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Okay, because it just reminds me of my parents. My my brother is actually gay, and he's um, he was with his husband for 12 or 15 years, I think, and uh-huh. they got divorced, and now uh-huh. he's with a, another gentleman. But my parents always refer to it as his friend. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dad, this is, you know, they were married. I said, that was his husband. And my parents say, oh, him and his friend. (laughs) Right. So there's, so. That reminds me of the birthday cake thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so giving people language, which was great that you said husband, because it was amazing. I was married for uh, close to 15 years, too. And people say your girlfriend or your special friend. No, this is my wife. We are legally married. And um, anyway. (laughs) No, my dad would always say, you know, oh, him and his friend, his little friend. I'm like, no, dad, his hubby. (laughs) Yeah, which over time is actually quite demeaning. You know, it's it's like, you know, this this tendency of um, white men to call African-American men boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a way of demeaning and and, uh, taking away people's power and legitimacy. And it's it's uh it's not you can't just say oh i made a mistake it's really important that people look at their language and uh i st- and still people will say when i talk about my ex-wife oh your friend oh my god i'm not calling your ex-husband your friend yeah. you maybe you which should is, which is another story. maybe you should i need more coffee here um, um so so you guys went to get a marriage certificate that's right actually the first thing we we did was we rode in uh in what's called dykes on bikes in san francisco uh the san francisco gay pride parade she wore a wedding dress i wore a tux and we held up a sign that said support same-sex marriage and it was unbelievable we got so much support i have never in my life at you know at that point in my life would i was i ever congratulated and smiled upon <laughs> for loving another woman up until that point in my life it was 
you know, violence, aggression. That's right. Negative comments. Exactly. exactly. You were like, this is great. It was, it was so beautiful. It was, it was so heart opening to have people say congratulations and, and smile and whatnot. And we ended up on the cover of the San Francisco Examiner um, paper and uh, they didn't know our names, but they took, that was the, the big cover Front. picture. Did you save it? Oh yeah. I okay. frame, yeah. And it's uh, one archives has a copy too. Um, which is the LGBT archives in Los Angeles. Anyhow, um, so then after that, we started going to San Francisco City Hall and asking for marriage licenses, and they would deny us the right to marry. And um, and this was uh, 2001, 2002, 2003. We would go, we'd ask, and then at uh, one point, um, we turned to the guys behind us. There was a, a gay male couple behind us, and um, so, so they said, no, we can't marry you. So each of us grabbed one of the guys and came forward and said, can we have a marriage license? And they said, yeah, here. And I said, excuse me, sir, what is your name? <laughs> because, you know, I can marry you, but I don't even know your name. And, and just the absurdity of the laws that because, you know, it was one man, one woman, that I could marry a, legal, a complete stranger to me, but the person that I'd spent my life with, that I owned a home with, I could not have a marriage license with. It was ridiculous. And so we kept coming in. They said, I said, we're just going to keep coming until you change the law. And I tried to be friendly, but also firm. And the clerk said, well, we hope you do. And as soon as you change the law, we will give you a license. And you seem like nice people. Oh, that's sweet. Flash forward, 2004, February 10th, we hear on the news, oh, uh, Gavin Newsom, something about Gavin Newsom and the marriage law. I had actually sent him an email because he was the new mayor, and I said, will you come out and speak at our rally that we're doing? And, um, you know, uh, uh, was it Willie Brown before he always supported us and never heard anything back? Well, then February 12th comes around. We get ready to go and do our, um, our marriage license ask, and we go down to San Francisco City Hall, and just as we're walking up the steps this is uh, your annual walking up the steps that's right okay <laughs> and it's, it's the fourth year in the row okay. okay so just put that out there folks four years we're already making change okay so which i know probably seems like that seems like a really long time and it is and yet it was for that to change the law to have something change like that was phenomenal anyway i'm jumping to the to the what happened here Del Martin, Phyllis Lyon, they're walking down the steps. They've been together for 50 years. They're a very famous uh, lesbian couple. They hold up their marriage license. <gasps> We've just been married. The first same-sex couple in the country to be Did you know? You, it was just a coincidence that that was the, day, the anniversary of the day that you guys walked up the steps to get your so, task. Right? So it, it's called Freedom to Marry Day, and we were going down every February 12th or February 14th, which was Valentine's Day. So okay. those were the two days we were working with. Um, and so here they come down the steps, and we're, we, we're going to have our rally. We start our rally, and then we're like, well, rally canceled. <laughs> Let's go inside. And so yeah, my former wife and I, we were couple number 17. So That's we, awesome. Yeah, and the people that had denied us a license were smiling. Was and, it the same the same clerk? The same people, and they were handing us a license. <laughs> and it was fantastic. Actually, you can see some of that on um, the documentary Freedom to Marry. Okay, uh, yeah, movie. yeah. And also uh, Pursuit of Equality is another movie documentary. Ran. Um, okay, so I... I know that it is legal in some states and there's some states that are, you know, um, you brought me the marriage equality map, which I will post online. Yes. But I want to talk about civil unions because we talked about this before, but unfortunately that information was lost. Yeah. Um, what, what about people who say, well, why don't we just give you guys civil unions? It's the same thing. What's the big deal? Then that way the religious, you know, or anti-gay marriage sect are, um, 
are fine with it and then you guys get civil unions like what's the big deal so in this country uh, you can have a civil marriage or you can have a religious marriage but the what is registered with the the state is a piece of paper that is actually a civil piece of paper mm-hmm. but you can be married by a justice of the peace or um, you know so in a in a civil ceremony or you can be married by uh, you know somebody who is a religious person um, minister rabbi uh, imam etc and um, and the religious person has the um, they have been granted the uh, the gift or the the um, the right by the state to officiate. But what's registered with the state or the government, the federal government and state government, is a civil piece of paper. So we're asking for a civil marriage, religious marriage. It, w- it will be done by, um, you know, there's a separation of church and state. So if you, if there are certain religious facilities that do want to marry same-sex couples, they have the right to do that. Those that don't want to can absolutely refuse. So right now, the Mormon church, the Catholic church, um, you know, Orthodox Jewish uh, rabbis, they do not marry same-sex couples. They don't want to. And unless the church doctrine and or, you know, their doctrine changes, they don't ever have to. However, um, you know, there are some spiritual people like Reverend Michael at Agape, the Unitarian Universalists, uh, many congregational church ministers, Episcopalians. They do want to perform a religious blessing, and they do have a right to do that. And then, so um, you're just saying, hey, we just want equal protection under the law, the That's same right. rights as everyone else. We're not asking for some crazy, you know, special exception. Yes. We just want. I'm a person. Here's another person, regardless of sex, gender. Uh, you know, sexual orientation or identification. Yes. And I just want the same legal protections because there are a lot of uh, rights that people have under marriage that are not protected under a civil union. Right, right. And and actually civil unions were, they're, they're actually going, I think there may be only one state left that has civil unions. So all the states that created civil unions as a separate but equal uh, notion to marriage all of those states have marriage now and they dissolve their civil unions because civil unions are unconstitutional. They create a separate and unequal category, just like two water fountains. If you have two water fountains, one says, um, you know, white people, one says, you know, people of color, it discriminates against a group of people. It creates two different categories of people, even though it's the same water fountain, it's the same, you know, uh, same water coming out of those fountains. It is marginalizing one group and creating the, the effect that one group is superior to the other group. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you've got two two uh, water fountains, and um, and somebody wants holy water, right? <laughs> so that's got to be blessed by. Okay. Okay. So you can have. You're just asking for the regular water fountain. You can have one water fountain <laughs> that is for everybody, and then if somebody wants a special holy water, then you go to that person <laughs> to have your holy good water. Good metaphor. Um, okay, so so that that explains it, and I think. Um, I, I, I just think that it's, it makes me laugh because obviously my point of view is that gay marriage and same sex marriage mm-hmm. should be le- legal because obviously it's one person and another person, but it just makes me laugh when you're explaining this to me because I, I want the listeners to hear the information, but to me, it's almost absurd. It, it's quite <laughs> absurd. And, and even the notion of like, um, 
you know, when uh, when couples who were from different races were married, they didn't get an interracial marriage license. They didn't get an interracial civil union. They didn't get an interracial domestic partnership. Once the laws were changed, they, they got were a married. marriage. That's yeah. right. Now, so we've got this notion in California of these domestic partnerships, um, that, which was actually created as an alternative in California, in Berkeley, <laughs> of all places, <laughs> in the 19... 19- uh, gosh, the, I think it might have been even the 70s. It was very early on to give benefits to um, to same-sex, uh, same-sex, specifically folks that worked at the university mm-hmm. to give their unmarried partners these benefits. Now, domestic partners are kind of sticking around because it's a category that is available for uh, heterosexual couples where one person is over 65 and if they remarried they'd lose their social security um, survivor benefits or they would you know so it's not unequal under the law it's heterosexual you know or well what was interesting was that for a while same-sex couples could have a domestic partnership regardless of their age um, but heterosexual couples had to have one person over 65 so like my friends Mandy and David wanted to be domestic partnered but they didn't have a right to do that because they're a heterosexual couple and neither of them are over 65 so it was discriminating <laughs> against you against know young, right because they want to force he- young heterosexual people to marry and deny marriage to same-sex couples that was the game so i think at some point you know domestic partnerships may again just be sort of a convenience for folks who are over 65 who don't want to be remarried uh because again they don't want to lose their their former spouse's um military pension or things of that nature. so it's a financial it's a very strategic financial move I I'm so sad because I wanted to you to tell your story and I can't even remember how we got into it but how you went to some protests and the guy was like if gays get to marry then I, I should marry this rock or something yeah yeah <laughs> February 14th 2004 <laughs> we had a uh, a rally up in Sacramento and it was already planned we didn't know Gavin Newsom was going to do what he did you know where marriages were going to people were going to be waiting in line stretching around the blocks in yeah. San Francisco we had planned this event uh, probably eight months in advance and it was a rally at the state capitol Margaret Cho came she's awesome she's a wonderful comedian if you don't know who Margaret Cho is folks check her out she's great she's been an incredible advocate for same-sex marriage incredible advocate for years decades actually um so she was there speaking we had lots of um uh religious folks speaking there uh senator leno spoke there anyway at the rally there's a guy and he's standing next to a potted plant a large (laughs) potted plant plant. i remember the story and he's like (laughs) i want to marry this tree and then some other jerk i want to marry this dog and it's it's just it's it's really funny on one respect so you know i bless the laughter on another respect it's it's so absurd because it's it's dehumanizing another person you're comparing a person to a potted plant yeah yeah that's i just want to know because i have never to this day i I have never to this day heard an ar- a good argument, logical argument against it. There those, aren't any. those are the type of arguments I've heard. That's I've right. heard, you know, oh, well, if I gay people get married, what's next? Marrying a dog, marrying a rock. Yes. Uh, marrying multiple people. You know, what's next? What's next? First of all, I, I, I say if you want to marry multiple people, that's fine with me as well i really don't care well how would it get divided well you would hire a lawyer and divide it evenly i don't know you know but Mm -hmm. it's it's the arguments i'm and i'm not just saying this to you know push our point of view i'm i'm being honest with you i never i i'm not gay i don't have any you know reason to push same-sex marriage but to me it just 
seems logical to give everyone the same rights if that's, right. that's what we're saying that we are a democracy and we're giving everyone equal rights absolutely <laughs> um well it's a way of because part of it is dehumanizing gay people and believing that gay people are not real and we don't have equal feelings and that we don't love in the same way um and you know it being denied the right to to form you know healthy open not not open in the sense of multiple partner relationships, but out in the open relationships where people know, hey, this is my my spouse. This is who I am. You know, when people were um, had to hide their sexual orientation and and hide their sexuality, um, there weren't models of what two loving same sex. Uh, what what they a loving were, they were marginalized. Like. You That's would right. you would see you know the gay guys with the chaps and the stereotypes. You know, very stereotypical. Um, sexual deviancy right it's kind of like if you went to Mardi Gras and you decided you know if you went to Mardi Gras and you said oh this is what straight people are like (laughs) 365 days of the year these women can't keep their shirts on why are these guys so horny and they're throwing uh, you know beads at all these ladies right if we if we looked at um, if we looked at Mardi Gras and decided that that's how heterosexual people were 365 days a year but you know but they'll look at the gay pride parade and say look absolutely how gay people are their sexual deviances and that and I actually and and I think that the slippery slope arguments come from well what about you know raising kids the kids will be confused no they won't i know a same sex couple who has raised a child and and the the psychology that proves it does not matter the only thing that matters is that the parents are loving yes and that they're caring and that they're there and it's actually better to have a same sex couple raising a child than to have a single mother unfortunately well, well what's interesting um i you know i don't want to i don't want to bash single mothers because i know no, no, no. A, I, but, I don't want to bash but, single moms uh, but no and i but know you're not it's very them. hard for single moms to Absolutely. raise children and no that's that, true that's true not having support yeah not yes. having the support exactly. i didn't mean let's, it as let's single say, moms are no and I, and I didn't get that you did so let's be really clear yes absolutely being a single parent is 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 has its challenges because you don't have other support absolutely just like if you don't have extended family members involved it's about the support not about the yeah yeah so absolutely so that being said um there is a there's so much literature out there now that has looked at um couples uh same-sex couples raising children the psychiatric associations the american psychological association there are studies that have been done by legitimate researchers showing that actually uh children are not harmed at all and in some cases they they're doing better so they're not harmed you know they're... i don't want to brag about us people but <laughs> sometimes we're, we're better parents okay you know they're not they're not harmed at all as long as the, you know it's a loving couple it doesn't matter the sex That's and right. the children are not confused at all and there's absolutely the scientific evidence supports it no correlation between having a same-sex parents and having homosexuality in the children that's right and sexual orientation is sexual is orientation yeah. is chosen what they or, have found is that or whatever children of lgbt parents are actually more compassionate though and they're 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 more compassionate and they're more accepting of other diversity so you that's know amazing. yeah so they're actually better that, citizens in some ways because they're kinder <laughs> Maybe because, you know, they have to deal with the discrimination yeah. and they have to see their parents dealing with discrimination. So, you know, because I, I have heard that as an argument and I just wanted to debunk it with, you know, because th- I have heard that as an argument. Well, you know, if there's a same sex couple and they have children or they adopt children, the children will be confused. And that is another discrimin- discrimination that ma- it is not marriage, mm-hmm. because in many cases, only one spouse can adopt the child. That's right. And so the other parent doesn't have the legal rights. 
Yeah. So with marriage, though, um, marriage actually one of the rights that come with marriage is, is is parentage. So if a couple's married and they have a child together, it belongs to both of them. Some many couples, it's kind of like they they do want to go through the uh, the legal hoops of doing a formal adoption. Uh, so in some ways, it's like wearing suspenders with belts. But at the same time, if you move uh, suspenders and a belt, but if you move to, <laughs> like, Wait, what is that? If you move to certain <laughs> states that don't have marriage rights, then yeah, your all of those marriage rights that you had in California, let's say you go to Montana, they Are can dissolved. be challenged. They can, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can be denied the right to visit your, your spouse in the hospital. You can be um, denied uh, car insurance, marital benefits. You can be denied the right to make medical decisions for that person. You could, yeah, your parentage rights could be, uh, I mean, there are over 300 rights in each state that have to do with marriage and 1,138 federal rights um, that come with marriage in this country. What I can tell you, though, is that we are we will have full marriage equality in this in this country I, I, by 20 by 2020. For sure. I have absolutely no doubt we are moving in that direction. But right now, what those places that don't have it and the, that patchwork quilt it is hurting people people are, are losing homes people are um, families are breaking up the, the amount of stress the financial stress uh, because they don't have access to those rights it is deeply impacting real life couples and their children and so we've got to change these laws it is inevitable but we can speed up this process by speaking out about it by getting involved right to your you know congressmen senators governors whoever because it you, we do make a difference people right. do make a difference Speak i out. have had council members respond to my you know emails and messages yes. i have had they just had president obama he had four different uh people writing to him and he actually went and met with them it, it doesn't always happen, unfortunately, but it does happen. Yes, and you can you if you're a part of a group, you can pass non-binding resolutions. So let's say you're in a you're in a state that does not allow same-sex marriage, you can get together with your city council, with your university group, with your church group, whatever it is, and you can pass a non-binding resolution and say this facility, this organization, um, you know, we come out in support of marriage equality for everybody, and that is what changes hearts and minds. We actually, you know, that I hate the cliche, but it's really true. When the people lead, the leaders will follow. And that's what we learned. <laughs> getting, getting so excited here. That's what we learned. <laughs> you got to go out there and you show up and you will get leaders to take risks. And Gavin Newsom took a huge risk in 2004. Today, not so big of a risk. And look where he's at. He's a lieutenant governor. At some point, he'll be our governor. At that time after he did that, people said, he, oh, he ruined his career. He's such a rogue, blah, blah, blah. He is a man of courage. He is a man of courage, and he that's what we need to do. He was forward Absolutely. I think it will be legal. I agree with you. You know, most people um, below a certain generation have no stigma associated with homosexuality. Right. Luckily, the newer generations, the millennials and other people with the World Wide Web and all this internationalness connecting us with technology, people are just seeing, hey, people are people. That's right. And so luckily, the younger generations have their eyes wide open. And the older generations are starting to change with the times as well. Yes, and so they are. I think that it will be legal. And guys, I really want you to write letters to anyone and everyone that can make a difference because if your local area does not have um, legal rights for everyone. It, and also one last thing, just, you know, um, it's interesting, the, the term homosexual or homosexuality, um, 
it has been taken out of the papers. You can't use that terminology unless you're talking about a clinical thing. When really? We're ta- yeah. So, so just, just, just like that. So, um, so uh, you know, better to say gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender than um, than the shorthand of homosexual. Um, I know it sounds. Am I, is it like saying Oriental? It is. <laughs> It is. Yeah. So, so thank you so much for asking that. Yeah. And so at one point it made sense. And I know it sounds like it would seem like we say, we say um, heterosexual couples, but it's better to say gay or same sex couples. Okay. Got it. But I'm learning I, something but I know, to be that. I know it's really funny it, because we don't say heterosexual and homosexual. We say gay and straight. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, um, or Am I offending is, you, Davina? I'm no, sorry. No, no. It's, it's absolutely an opportunity to just, to just um, educate people because it, it seems like you would say heterosexual couples and homosexual couples because it's, it's, uh, it seems like parody or, you know, not, not parallel. Parallel, yeah, parallel yeah. yeah, not a parody. <laughs> but, um, but, parody, but not it's a, parody. Yeah, but it's actually preferable to say, um, to say gay uh, or same sex. Okay, yes, got it. Yes. Got it, guys. I'm learning something new every day. Um, Davina, where can people find you online? What's your website? Where can people get amazing life coaching about their lives, whether, you know, whatever issue they're dealing with and, you know, support if they are LGBT and they need to come out of the closet or whatever? That's a great question. They can go to my website and that's it's my name. It's D-A-V-I-N-A, Davina Katulski, K-O-T-U-L-S. KI.com. If you can't find that, you can always track me through uh, ygaymarriage.com <laughs> or uh, come out into your power.com. Guys, just Google her. I didn't know how to spell her last name at all. And I just Googled her and Google said, did you mean Kotolsky? I was like, yes, I did Google. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a, it's a complicated. It knew. Name. It actually yeah. knew. I, I Googled Davina Kotolsky and I totally butchered your last name. And Google said, did you mean? And it had the right spelling. And I clicked on it and I was like, oh, there she is. <laughs> Okay. And you know what? I want to offer a gift to your to your listeners. So if you contact me and you send me an email, which you can do right through my website, and if you say that uh, that you heard this uh, on um, out, out of the box. out of the box with Rosie, um, then what I'll do is I'll give you a free download uh, on um, how to come out of the closet and into your power. Oh, guys, and, do that! Take and, advantage of it. And again, you just translate it to what if you're if you know if you're not LGBT, don't worry. Just translate it to whatever issue you're having challenges around being your authentic self with. Oh, wow. I'm going to do that now. <laughs> I'm going to go download that. Um, okay. Thank you so much, Davina. You've been absolutely awesome. Guys, please visit outoftheboxpodcast.com and click on the support button. We now have affiliates on there. If you guys use it, then it helps us out a lot. Um, also, Out of the Box Podcast is on SoundCloud now. We need more followers. Click on the follow button. And as always, Stitcher and iTunes downloadable. Out of the Box Podcast is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love. Give a hug. HugMeTees.com. This has been Out of the Box with Rosie Tran. Mm-hmm.